promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal, eternal word that does not change. Enable us to respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. The first reading today is from Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I'm actually a little bit surprised when I officiate a wedding and the couple has not requested this passage from 1 Corinthians to be read and reflected on during the service. 1 Corinthians 13 is sometimes called the love hymn. It's long been one of the most popular passages read at weddings. And while this is not an inappropriate passage to read at a wedding, we have to be careful not to save it for only weddings or to let it be tamed down into a sweet little campfire kumbaya moment. The author Paul would have been quite surprised that this passage became associated with romance. Let us be clear. Paul is definitely not talking to the church in Corinth about romantic love here. This is not a sweet poem for a St. Valentine's Day card. He's not talking about warm, fuzzy feelings and sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. He is not trying to negate the trials and struggles of the world with a few hugs and candy hearts. In this section of this letter, he is talking to the people of the church about how they are to treat one another in light of their unity in Jesus Christ. They are to treat each other with love as modeled after God, and they have not been doing this. This passage was written with teeth. It is a scolding. This passage is Paul scolding the church for not being loving. When the world slings hate and injustice and prejudice and stereotypes and anger and nitpicking and betrayal and abuse at one another, the answer is love. But this is no Brady Bunch feeling that solves every problem in half an hour. The answer is not to just hug it out after a mediation by Danny Tanner. Paul is not saying, look how sweet and wonderful love is and how easy it is to solve our problems. Paul is saying, love is the answer, and the answer is hard. This passage is meant to be our stencil our outline of what love looks like, and it's not an easy list to manage. God's love is so much bigger and stronger and more powerful than anything we can imagine, and it can be really hard to live into in a world that champions survival of the fittest and looking out for number one. This passage sounds really pretty when you first read it, but when you think long and hard about these actions that, per- that love calls a person to, they are hard. Sometimes we hear the word love and we write it off as soft or cutesy or weak or some wishy-washy pipe dream that can't actually work in today's rough and tumble world. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. What is weak is a failure to love everyone around us as Jesus does. This is one of the strongest and most powerful passages in all of scripture. Love is patient. When people aren't doing what you want them to or expect them to or their ways make no sense to you or they're not doing it on your time frame, be patient with them and trust that God works in people that you just don't get. Love is kind. It doesn't yell when it's frustrated. It puts others first. It takes care of a loved one when they're sick. It speaks gently to the people around it. Love takes seriously the well-being of all people in matters of justice in the world. A friend uh, recently sent me that article about the Thai woman running the marathon 
with the little puppy that she found on the side of the course. This puppy was all alone, and so she did what any reasonable dog lover would do. She scooped it up. She rescued it, and she did what any reasonable marathoner would do. She finished the race. There was no option to not pick up the puppy, and there was no option to stop running. Makes total sense to me. And so she finished this marathon, puppy in her arms, and then went back to make sure there was no mama dog or owner looking for this puppy to be reunited. And then when she knew it was alone, she took it home with her. That is kindness and patience, if you think about it. And it sounds really cute, but it could not have been easy to carry that puppy, even if it only weighed a pound or two, for 19 miles. For the record, if you're really, really fast, you can run a marathon in around four hours not carrying a puppy. (laughs) That's a long time. But kindness isn't just picking someone up when they need help. It's finishing the race with them, even if it means your own finish time might suffer for it. Love does not envy. Love cheers for the other when they accomplish amazing things, and it celebrates their adventures. On the other side of the same coin, it also doesn't hold on so tight to its own privilege that it refuses to see the plight of others. It's easy to fall into either one of these traps. We want to have our own successes and adventures, and it's hard to watch other people have fun doing things we would like to do. It's hard to see other people get recognized for their hard work when our own hard work goes unnoticed. Or worse, to watch someone else's mediocre work get noticed when our own hard work gets passed over. And it's easy to ride along on systems that favor us to the harm of others. Systems like sweatshop-based cheap clothing sales or right privilege. Love doesn't boast. In Chicago this week, when the weather was worse than it was here and it was dangerously cold, Ms. Payne rescued countless people by putting them up in a hotel, getting them off the deadly cold streets. And yesterday morning, NPR interviewed her, and the thing that really struck me about her demeanor in this interview was her humble assumption that she did what any reasonable person with extra funds would have done. There was not a shred of boasting in the way that she spoke. I am a regular person, Ms. Payne said. It all sounded like a rich person did this, but I'm just a little black girl from the South Side. I thought it was unattainable, but after seeing this and seeing people from all around the world, that just tells me that it's not that unattainable. We can do this together. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love doesn't assume that it knows the best way to do something. It's humble enough to listen to others and to accept their input. Love thinks about the feelings of the people around it. It's considerate and not rude. Love doesn't get angry easily or hold a grudge. It takes a step back, counts to ten, takes a deep breath, and works in all things for peace. It doesn't keep a tally sheet of who won which fight when and who did what to whom. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Now, at first glance, this one may seem obvious, but remember that we're supposed to love even our enemies. So the time that that jerk on the road that passed you got pulled over up ahead and you gloated about it, don't do that. Love is honest. It is open, even when the truth is painful or full of shame. 
Honesty isn't just about not lying. It's about accepting the truth, living the truth, being open and truthful about who you are and who the people around you are. And that is hard, especially if you aren't too fond of yourself. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love keeps loving until the very end of time without giving up. This is all really, really hard stuff. And if it sounds easy, you're kidding yourself or misunderstanding what Paul is getting at here. There is no one emotional high that will get us through all of these things that real love does. Does that mean that we shouldn't use this passage at weddings? Absolutely not, because marriage is hard, just like any relationship, more than most relationships. And marriage is meant to be modeled after God's love for us and God's relationship with the church. But it does mean that we need to remember what a difficult passage this is. It means that we have to be careful how we toss around this word, love. The way we love especially when we're talking about the church, we reflects the love of God in the world around us. And if our love is less than what we read in this passage here, we aren't living up to our jobs as God's representatives in the world. We love one another because God loved us first. And because love for one another is how we let the love of God shine in the world around us. Amen.